Welcome to the Rock Podcast. Most people have at one time or another been in a place of hopelessness in their life. But in this encouraging message from Romans chapter 4, our associate pastor Carlin Fortcamp shows us how we can go from hopelessness to blessing by believing in God's promises. Let's listen in now as Pastor Carlin shares with us a message entitled Faith and Hope. All righty, let's get started. Now, you know it is, our, um, it is our way here at The Rock to raise up young men, uh, to preach the gospel, to learn how to teach. Uh, the pastors here are all uh, very gifted. And uh, here it was the middle of summer, and I thought it would be good to hear from Pastor Carlin. It's nice to be able to say, Pastor Carlin. Interesting that uh, he's been, uh, I, I asked him uh, over a month ago, so this was not planned, but he's, pre- he's teaching tonight, I'm sorry, steal your thunder, That's here, fine. on faith and hope. And so really sweet message for tonight in, on mm-hmm. many, in many ways. But I just want to tell you about this guy. Uh, he came in here, you know, he started taking the trash out, he started serving and helping <laughs> And he caught our eye and then uh, started helping in different ministries and mm-hmm. Pastor Jim with evangelism. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, lo and behold, we needed a children's ministry director. He stepped mm-hmm. into that, as all of you know. And then we ordained him a couple Sundays ago. Uh, and he's got a, a call of God on his life. But the thing about Carlin is he just so, he's so professional. He's so effective. He's so detail-oriented who was first on the scene in Katati, Carlin. He beat us all there. Had his arms wrapped around Nathan. Pastor, you know. So, you got a word for us? You Lord's cry? got a word for us. Okay. Oh, I forgot. He's spiritual, too. <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's welcome him again, all right? That's my... I, I almost took his notebook, and then I thought, well, if you're so spiritual, you yeah, don't need one. Yeah, he's pretty trusting, isn't he? Yeah. Thanks, right. Russ. Go for it, Carlin. Oh, man. Good evening, church. I'm so blessed to be in front of all you guys tonight. Just, just like Ross said, I'm just blown away every time I, I am given the honor to stand before you and just share a word from the Lord with you guys from his word, and... Uh, I'm really excited about tonight. So um, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. We're going to take a break from the Old Testament, which is our custom generally on Wednesday nights to preach out of the Old Testament of the Bible because all of the Bible is Scripture and God-breathed. And the verses we're going to focus on tonight are verses 18 through 25. While everybody's turning there, I'm going to go ahead and just open this up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight just to pause, just to take a moment in this evening, Lord, out of this busy week and everything that's happened, 
just to focus on you and heed your word, Lord. Just give you the reverence that you're due. Lord, help us to listen with, with willing and listening ears, God, with, with willing hearts. Speak to each one of us today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, God. Encourage us by your word, Lord. Correct us with your word. Keep us on the path that is closest to you. Tonight we pray, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we commit this time. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Well, you know, first a question for you guys. I don't know if you're like me, but has there ever been a time in your entire life that you felt completely hopeless? Completely hopeless. Not the regular hopelessness that kind of plagues us from time to time, but you felt like there was no hope at all, ever, anywhere. Everything looked hopeless. Have you ever felt like you were stuck and you weren't going anywhere? Have you ever felt like uh, even walking with the Lord, like God somehow went ahead and you're stuck here? Anybody ever felt like that? Just me? Okay. Okay, good. Well, you know, tonight we're going to get encouragement from the Lord from his word. We're going to look at a man named Abraham, our man Abraham, and we're going to see how even though he was childless at the age of 75 years old, we're going to see how God gave him a promise that he would be the father of many nations and that a son would come from his own body. The Apostle Paul who wrote Romans is going to uh, encourage us with that, with this passage and show us that this is an example of what real faith and real hope looks like. So starting at verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Well, this will bring us to our first point. Abraham hopes in God's promise. It's an interesting word to start off with in the verse 18, to start off with the word against, kind of abrasive, against all hope. Now, any other word would have done, we could have said, uh, hey, the situation was hopeless. Wouldn't that have covered it? We could have said, there was no hope in sight for Abraham, right? Why didn't Paul use that word? Well, scripture is God-breathed. No man wrote it themselves, but God carried along the men by the power of the Holy Spirit and spoke through them and gave us his word. And so against is there for a very important purpose. Against is there to describe what his situation was. See, the world thinks of hope as kind of like wishful thinking. The world thinks, you know, hope is naturally based on uh, things that you observe, things that you see. You go, oh yeah, that looks hopeful. Hope in the world's eyes is based on our feelings, on our emotions, you know, like, hey, that, that, you know, I've got a good feeling about this. You know, that's what the world says is hopeful, things they can imagine. Basically, the world describes hope as their general take on the situation. That's what natural hope is. And so right away, first word in this verse is against all hope, against everything that naturally would come, against everything that you would usually place your hope in, that's gone. Let me tell you what the situation's like. That's away. That's gone. Different ballpark. And notice Abraham is, is 
he's not hoping in anything in that, but he still hoped. Because it wasn't about his take on the situation. It was about God's take on the situation. And that's what he hoped in. As we move along, we see that the next word all is equally important. It was against all hope, not against some hope, not against most hope, not against the majority of hope, but it literally was against all hope. And what that means is that there was no out. There was no backup plan. There's nothing else he could grab a hold of as he was trusting in this. There was nothing Nothing. There's no other way. And there's no way for him to kind of hedge his bet and, you know, maybe hope in this, but just in case, you know, hope in this. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, all right, right? You, you hope in this, but just in case you're bringing this along as well, or you hope in it. Well, that's not biblical hope. That's not biblical hope. I know that we can have a tendency of doing that, but, but looking at where Abraham was at, Holy Spirit is trying to say, no, it's against all hope. No, this is serious. This is what it's like. And what did he do? In hope, he believed. Now, don't get tripped up here. He wasn't hoping in hope, okay, as if hope is like uh, a separate identity unto itself. He wasn't believing in hope. In hope, he was believing, okay? So hope is, is just like faith in the fact that you have to place hope in something in order for it to apply, Okay? Hope is not an independent contractor. Hope needs something to be placed in. And the, again, the world just looks at hope kind of, again, like wishful thinking. You don't have to place it in anything. I've heard people say, you know, well, I believe in hope. Well, like, that's great, but what's that hope in? No, I believe in hope. I am for hope, right? I'm for faith. I have faith in faith. You can't do that. You can't have faith in faith. You can't have hope in hope. The only thing you can't have is picture in picture out of context. It has <laughs> nothing to do here with anything. But really what biblical hope is, is it's a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation. It's not a feeling. It's a confident expectation. So we've got to ask, what was Abraham expecting? What well, we see as we continue our verse here. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. What's being described here is the promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, God gave Abraham a promise, and this takes place back in Genesis. This was after creation and Adam, after Noah and the flood. Then came Abraham. Abraham came, and we see that God gave him a promise. God shows him to be a people unto himself. In Genesis 12, this takes place. Genesis 12, 2, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Your offspring, I'm going to give them all this land. And Abraham was 75 years old at this point, but you know what the most hopeless thing was in his circumstance? Was that he didn't have any children any. He was 75 years old. No kids. And God said, you are going to have offspring. You are going to become a great nation of people. And he didn't even have one kid. And I wonder how many times does God promise us amazing things? And we're like, that's great. But you know, really, that's fine. Just can you just give me one instead? Just one right now. 
I'd rather have it now instead of the, this grandiose plan that, that you seem to be having, but what about now? What about now? But that's what we're talking about. Because God, again, in Genesis 15, he says, look, a son is going to come from your own body, Abraham. And he says, Abraham, look up at the stars and go ahead and count them if you can. Count them. So shall your offspring be. And this is the faith of Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And what that means is that he became right with God by believing God's promise. There was no work that he did. He just believed God, and God said, you're right with me now. It was through faith. And so this is how it gets started. Now bear in mind, yes, he is still childless. Yes, things look hopeless, but now he has something to hope in. So what is it that he's hoping in? What is it? Well, he was believing in the promise. So this is an important distinction because now we've carried over from what faith is to what uh, belief is to what the promise is. We need to look specifically here at how they work together because, see, Abraham could have had the exact same measure of faith. He could have still hoped against all hope, But if it was not in God's promise, it would have been worthless. Worthless. See, this wasn't a winning mindset that he developed. All right? This wasn't positive thinking or a positive attitude. That's not what this is teaching. I've met plenty of people who have had that, who've had what looks like unyielding faith, but it is not in God. I've met tons of people who have had uh, a winning mindset. But it was for their kingdom, not God's kingdom. Some even say they believe in God, but it's not according to knowledge. In Romans chapter 10, verse 2, Paul, who himself is a Jew, who has been born again and believes on the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Paul says, look, I can personally testify about the Jews. They have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. And that's why we're here tonight. Because Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 3, he says, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the one true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The purpose is to know God. How do we know him? From his word that he gave us, by applying it in our lives. And you know, this can save us a lot of pain. We need to know God's promises. We need to know them. That is what we can hold on to, are his promises. And this is important as well. We shouldn't create our own promises. God's already given us promises. You don't need to put words in God's mouth. We have his word. And he's given plenty. He's given plenty. Scripture says he's given us everything we need for a life of godliness. He's given it to us. Man, and we can look at this, and Abraham, gosh, he could have looked at this promise from God, and it could have gone to his head, and he could have said, wow, God's going to do this for me. That means that I'm going to have a life without pain or hardship. That must mean that my life's going to be easy. 
But God, right after Genesis chapter 15, when he's telling Abraham about his descendants that he will have, says, and oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you one more thing. They are going to be enslaved for 400 years, Abraham. 400 years. Abraham himself went to war, went to battle. And you look at all this and you go, wait, 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 didn't God give him a promise? But he made a promise to him. Why is all this hard stuff happening? Why? Because Abraham's faith is being tested. This brings us to our second point. Abraham's faith tested. Let's look at verse 19. Without weakening in faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Without weakening his faith, he faced the facts. As Christians, guys, biblical faith and biblical hope is that we do face the facts. There's hard facts. There's painful, very painful facts that we face in this life. But we need not to avoid those facts. That's not what Abraham did here. He didn't avoid the facts here. He wasn't in complete denial about his current situation. This is what he did, and this is what we need to do. You face each fact in light of God's promises. You factor in God's promises first, and then you face the facts. That is how we're supposed to respond to these things. That is how he responded to these things. If you notice, each one of these facts is absolutely true and accurate. He faced the fact that, yeah, he's 100 years old now. Have you guys caught that? In Genesis 12, he was 75. This has been going on for 25 years. 25 years. What matters here is how he responded I mean, if anybody ever had an excuse to have a bad day and to not believe God anymore and to walk his own way, it was Abraham. It was. 25 years? I mean, 25 years is a long time. 25 years. That's incredible. I mean, we need to look at that. For 25 years, it was against all hope. For 25 years, he was believing on God's promise. His faith wasn't weakened when he looked at the facts. We're going to see what happens to his faith. We're going to see something else he didn't do. Let's look back here in verse 20. It says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. In spite of that, Holy Spirit almost is saying, Look, In spite of all that, still, he didn't waver. And that word waver means doubting, means literally turning away. And that is always the temptation for all of us, is to turn away. To turn away. What is the first thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden? The first people to sin against the Lord God who are human beings, our race. They ran and they hid from God. That is our natural tendency, to run, to hide. And God says, no, you need to run to me. 
and I will be your shelter, and I will provide for you, and a number of other promises. No, he kept in step with God. He stayed next to him. He waited on his promise. He looked for his promise. And there's a distinction here. See, it also says he didn't waver regarding the promise of God. And that's what's important. Abraham could have wavered and probably did waver in some other things. He might have lost faith in all mankind, which could happen after 100 years of being on this earth. He might have lost faith completely in his family member Lot and his discerning ability. He could have lost his faith in kings. He could have lost his faith from all kinds of things. And today, we, we still do that. We still can lose our faith in authors. We can lose our faith in politicians, in doctors, in family members. We can lose our faith in friends. Friends can let us down, guys. Friends can let us down. But you know what we don't do? We don't throw everything away. We don't use that as an excuse to run away from God and say, I'm not trusting anyone, including you, God. No, we look to the promises of God. And you want to know the promise of God? He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's Hebrews 13, verse 5. Quoting Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. It's his promise that we can hold on to. It's his promise that we can trust in. And this is going to bring us to our third point. Abraham's faith grew. Abraham's faith should have been demolished going through that. Any one of us here in this room, if we were just to top your head, what do you think of this? You go, whoa, that's crazy. Right? That's our reaction. That's absolutely crazy, insane. Oh my gosh, how could they make it through that? And then you say, oh, and their faith grew through that. They were closer to God. They, and you go, wow. Now, as believers, we've experienced that. We've experienced that. We've seen that. Strengthening of faith. How did it happen? How did Abraham grow stronger through this? Number one, he didn't waver from God. He stuck with them. When? It's subtle, but it's in here in the verse. What do you do? Day after day after day. He believed God's promise. He continued to believe God's promise on the hard days. He believed God's promise on the easy days when it maybe looked really close. He believed God's promise on the good times and on the bad times. And that is our job today too, to believe God, to believe his promises, to keep in step with him, to stand next to him, to be with him, to walk with him, to not wander off the path but to continue onward with him. And then Abraham gave God glory. He gave him glory through this. That word for glory in the Greek is doxa, which means uh, like an opinion, a judgment, or a view, where, really where you're judging if something is good or bad. And what this is saying is, Abraham wasn't going to sit there and judge God. He was going to give God the glory that's due, and say, God, you're the judge. You're the judge of the situation. And when we are in humble, humble circumstances, and when we are going through the fire, and when we are as weak as we can be, 
When we trust him, we give him glory. Because we're acknowledging this is not out of his control. And he's made promises. And we are going to hold on to those. Finally, he says, Abraham was fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. The exact opposite of what he should have been. See, because his land that God promised him, that he was uh, looking at, that he was living in as a foreigner, his land was filled with other people, with a different nation, a nation not his own. For 25 years, when he went out at night and he looked at the night sky, he saw the sky filled with stars. And he still did not have the child of promise. Every single night. 25 years. And you imagine back then, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been camping, but you look up at the stars when you're outside of the city and there's no residual glow. There are a lot of stars. There's a lot of stars. All the more intimidating. All the, you think he would buckle under the pressure and go, that's just impossible. No. He believed God. He was fully persuaded. He should have been filled with doubt, but he was filled with the hope and the belief in God and his promises. It says he was fully persuaded that God had the power to follow through on his promise. What I want to ask you tonight, what I've been asking myself is, are you fully persuaded in the power of God to fulfill his promise to you? Are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man? Are you fully persuaded that he died on the cross for your sins? In your place? Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. That same persuasion that that carried Abraham through those trials day by day. Are you fully persuaded that Jesus, when he died and was buried, rose from the dead? Are you fully persuaded? No backup option, no uh, you know, winning attitude, no positive attitude. Are you fully persuaded? Are you persuaded that, that God's power is real, that he raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus is alive at the right hand of the Father in glory and we will one day be with him? If you are, that is a promise that no wonder Abraham was able to make it through this. No wonder. The end result of all this, it says here in your text, It was credited to him as righteousness. This, this whole thing we've been talking about, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, and all that means, this is how we became right with God. This is how. And Paul has been trying to get this through the head of people that have been raised in legalism and raised with the law, which is good, but that's not how we're saved. That won't carry you through the fire. Jesus will. God's promise will carry you through the fire. And there'll be some despair. Because it's God's promise. Abraham heard God's promise. He believed. 
even against all the odds, even when his faith was tested, he still, he came out believing. He still believed. Now this is what I love about scripture. Look at verse 23 with me. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. Just pause for a second. Those words were not written just for him. Those were written for us. Yes, this, this church in Rome, the Christian believers in Rome, it was wit- written for them 2,000 years ago to encourage them, and it's written for us here today, 2,000 years later. This is to encourage us. Why? Because we have a promise. God's given us a promise. He's given us a big promise, and he sealed it in his blood. See, Abraham's promise was sealed with the blood of animals. God walked through. God did everything. God was showing you, I'm going to bring you through this. And by faith, they were saved in the Old Testament, and by faith, we are saved now. It is by faith, from faith, to faith. Faith is what saves us and has always saved us. But we have a promise. Look at your text. The words that was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. Do you believe it? Are you fully convinced that God has the power to do this and that he did do it? This, there is no way out of this. There just isn't. There's not. There is no physical explanation for how Jesus died and came back to life. None. This is where our faith rests, is that God's power raised up Jesus from the dead, and he is alive. His disciples couldn't believe it, and they were with him for three years, and they watched miracles, but this is the one thing where they were like, done. My Lord and my God. And the wavering was gone. And the weakening was gone, and they became strengthened in their faith, and they gave glory to God, and they were fully persuaded. You know, as we go through trials in our life, we need to remember we have promises from God too. Fiery trials are going to come upon us. See, God gives us promises, and he gives us warnings. Warnings. Watch out for this. Don't let this take you away from the promise. That's exactly what the devil would want to happen. Anything to snatch you away from God where you are safe and secure. God, your stronghold and your trust. If he can pull you away from that, then he can have a field day with your life. I remember a point in my life where I can honestly say I, I lost hope. And it wasn't just like the losing hope that, you know, comes from time to time, it was gone. There was no hope. It was against all hope, and I was just basking in, having no hope. I remember thinking, God must have forgot about me. He must have just forgot. That's what I, who, who am I? He's forgot about me. I thought, you know, yeah, he's given promises, but they apply to everybody else, not me. Because why would I be going through this? That's what I could not get through my head. Even looking ahead, trying to look ahead, just all these things the world says to do, no remedy for it. 
I took my eyes off God's promises. I was weakened, I was wavered in doubt, and I had no peace. And I remember starting a journal even at this period of my life years ago. And I still have that today. I've, I've looked at it. I remember the first line in there, how I started the line, I put, I guess I missed my chance in life. It's about 23 years old. I guess it's done. It's over. I've screwed up too bad. My life's gone. It's done. God's promises, not for me. I, I can't. It, it's, that's for people that do things right. That's for people that do the right works. But God's work is believing in his promises. I felt stuck. I ended up going through physical trials. I had panic attacks. I went through a surgery. I had a few concussions. I just went, man, what a life. But above all, I had nothing I was holding on to. Nothing. And the hardest part about it is they were right there. They were right there in the scripture in front of me that I wouldn't read, that I wouldn't open. And this is what God taught me. He taught me to wait patiently on him. He taught me that he did turn and hear my cry. He did lift me up out of the slimy pit. And out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 40, verse 2. It's true. That's our God. That's referring to the Messiah. And the Messiah is working through us. Jesus is working now. He's alive. His promises are real. And with the correct understanding of God's word and a full persuasion of his promises, let me name you a few promises just to remind yourself about, just to really think and dwell on and meditate on God's promises. One, this comes from Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Promise. Backed by the power of God. Jesus risen from the dead. Promise. Is Jesus your savior tonight? Is he your savior? He is or he isn't. And it's not based on works. Are you fully persuaded? Have you believed on him? Are you going through the trials by yourself and your own strength? You will never make it. There is nothing out there for you. Let me tell you from my own experience. There is nothing out there for you. There is nothing to hold on to. You will slip in that mud and in that mire. You'll become a filthy mess. And Christ will still take you back. And he says the day is today. He says today. Believe in my promises. Believe me. Ask me. Ask me. I will set your feet on a solid rock. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not only will he forgive our sins, he will purify them. That is a blessing for those that want to be right with God. John 4.14, Jesus says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Philippians 4, 7. Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Promise. That's a promise. As you go through the trials in life, and there will be trials, there will be trials. You can have peace instead of worry. You can have a well of water that's bubbling and overflowing to eternal life instead of thirst. You can have forgiveness and cleansing instead of sin. Instead of being filled with doubt, you can be filled with his spirit. And that is good news. Instead of death, you can have life. Romans 8, 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want your faith to be in denial. He doesn't want it to be fake. He wants real faith. Just trust in him. Trust in him. Walk with him. He's given promises that are there that you can call on his name. And his promises all have to do with him. No one comes after God just for the promises. It's him. And that's what he's given. He says, Jesus in an example in a parable talks about how uh, you being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids, right? So you think God doesn't know how? And this is what he says. He says, how much more then will God give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? It's God. That's what we're in it for. That's what the the joy is, is that we have God himself, who is not only the powerful and backing up the promises, we have him. Let me read to you from Romans 5, verse 3. We rejoice also in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, hope. Correction, perseverance, character. And character, hope. This is where hope comes from. It's supernatural hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This is real faith and real hope for a real world. And that's what we're in. Now as we close, I have a few things to remember. Number one, remember biblical hope is God's take on the situation, not ours. It's a confident expectation in God and his promise. Number two, rely on God's promises. Don't create your own. Number three, face the facts, but factor in God's promises. Number four, believing in his promises brings peace during the trial. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so blessed to have a Father that loves us, that comes after us, Lord God. When we fall off the path, when we're stuck in the mud and the mire, you pick us up out of that and you set us on the solid rock, Lord 
you are the solid rock, God. Your promise is your word. We commit this time to you, Lord Jesus. We look to you. Help us to remember your promises. Help us to seek out your promises, Lord God. But even in that, promises are nothing if we don't get you. And you've given us your Holy Spirit, Lord. And one day we will see you face to face. And oh, how we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for the closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.